Moment of Truth with Pastor Matt Shackelford is a ministry of Central Church in Collierville, Tennessee. Please visit us online at centralchurch.com. What does it take for guilty man to be made right with holy God? The Bible tells us all have sinned. We've all broken God's law and we all stand guilty. And God says that the wages of our sin is death. And you can't earn salvation. You can't bribe God with good works. So what do we do? This is the truth. There's only one way to be made right with God and it's a free gift. And the moment that you repent, the moment you place your faith that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins, God will make you right with Him. He will wash you. He will make you white as snow. So moment of truth today, what will you do with Jesus? Without the Bible, there is no revival. We live in an age where self-proclaimed experts share how they believe we can live our best life. But in a world without the Bible, these experts' advice amount to nothing. Last week, Pastor Matt began his sermon entitled, Words to Live By, and shared why we must study and follow God's Word. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. To finish strong, we must listen to God's words to us and follow them. Open to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, and prepare for your moment of truth. G.K. Chesterton was walking with some friends and talking with some friends, and he said, if you were stranded on a desert island, what book would you want? One guy said, I want all the works of Shakespeare. I guess he wanted to enjoy the island, sit back, catch some sun, and read some Shakespeare. The second guy said, I would want the Bible. Great. They asked Chesterton, what would you want? And he said, I would want a practical guide to shipbuilding. He understood. He said, books have purposes. And that's the Bible. Are any of you coming here today with the problems of life? Go nowhere else but the Bible. That's where it begins. The Bible has answers. It speaks to everything pertaining to life and godliness. Read it until you see salvation. Read John's gospel, which was written that you might believe. Let the Bible be your counselor. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever relational turmoil you're walking through, whatever business practice you're struggling with, let the Bible be your counselor. But specifically, the Bible was written for salvation. For salvation. Third, continue in the Bible because it leads you to Jesus. This is the purpose of the Bible. This is the person of the Bible. It leads you to Jesus. The Bible's about Jesus. The Bible's about Jesus. Verse 15 says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's not how much you know about this book. It's how much you know the author of this book. Let me say that again. It's not how much you know about this book. It's how much you know the author of this book. This book was meant to give you a relationship to Jesus Christ. These are five very powerful words. Through faith in Christ. First, what are these sacred writings that he's talking about? The sacred writings that are able to help you get to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I think this is pointing to the Old Testament. 
It's that the Old Testament shows us Jesus. The Old Testament shows us things that are all about Jesus. Do you understand that you're saved in the Old Testament the same way you're saved in the New Testament? Like Old Testament saints, you ever wondered how they got saved when Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet? Old Testament saints are believing in the promises of God. They're looking forward to the coming Messiah. They're putting their faith in Jesus, the coming Messiah. It's still by faith. And then the New Testament saints, that's, that's us in the church age even today, we're looking back to the death of Christ. So Old Testament saints, they're looking forward to the Messiah. We today, we're looking back to the Messiah. We're all saved by faith, by grace through faith, I should say, in Jesus Christ. You see, in Genesis, we see Jesus. We see him in types and prophecies. In the historical books, in the wisdom literature, we see shadows, imperfect shadows though they may be, of this coming king who would save us from our sin. And then the prophets, they show us the sacrificed and the great priest, the perfect priest. And there's this diabolical movement going on in the church today that you and I ought to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. And that is nonsense. We need to reject that completely. The Old Testament shows you Jesus. That's what Paul says to Timothy. These are sacred writings that show us Jesus. They show us our Messiah. So that means that within every Scripture, we ought to worship Him. We ought to see Christ. We must experience Christ. As uh, Walter Kaiser said it, we ought to look for the redemptive trajectory in every passage that we study. So, so like we're, if we're in David and Goliath, we're preaching David and Goliath, there's a lot of sermons out there. They're going to preach that a little different than I would. They're going to be talking about, let's talk about all the giants in your life. And you're David. And I'm looking at it. I'm saying, no, you're not David. You're the needy one. You're the needy Israel. And it's about Jesus delivering his people from the giant of sin. That's what that passage is about. And so as I read the story of David and Goliath, it's not about us defeating the giants in our life. It's about Jesus coming and defeating the giant of sin that stood in opposition of you and God. And he defeated it by dying on the cross for your sins. That's what it's about. Amen? You and I are to look for the redemptive trajectory in every text of the Old Testament because that's where we see Jesus Christ. And I love this. It says that it says that it's through faith. Don't miss that. Some of you are here thinking it's through works. You're trying to be a good person. I hear that the most when I share the gospel. How do you get to heaven? By being a good person. No, absolutely not. It's through faith in Christ. Not by faith, you're saved by grace, by his grace through faith. Romans 3.20 says, by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. How are you justified? Romans 4.3 says, what does scripture say? Abraham believed God. It was credited to him. It was counted to him as righteousness. You and I are to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, you ought to stay close to your Bible. Any of you who are far from Jesus, read your Bible. It shows us the person of Christ. I remember that's where it started for me as a young boy. I started devouring my Bible and I saw Jesus who takes away my sins started sitting in the Bible, and my teachers, they taught me God's Word. If you're far from God, start right here. It's going to show you Jesus Christ. It did for me. Number four, continue in the Bible. Why? Because it's God-breathed. 
Oh, this one sends chills down my back. It is God-breathed. That's what the words are here in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. We're talking about inspiration here. And as your pastor, you need to know this about me. I'm going to cling to inspiration for the rest of my life. You never have to worry about me leaving that one behind. These are God's inspired words, breathed out by God. I get chills when I just think about that. Augustine said it so well, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. Write down 2 Peter 1.21. says this, it's a great word on inspiration. No prophecy was ever produced, ever, underline it, circle it, highlight it, ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along. The word here for carried along is fascinating. It's the word of a ship that raises up its sail and the wind pushes it to its final destination. That's how God inspired these men to write. These were holy men of old that were carried along to get to that final destination of exactly what God intended it to be. Carried along. These are God's words. How much of it's God breathed? Let's go to the next slide all of it. Can we just say all Scripture together? Ready? All Scripture. Let's say it again. Ready? All Scripture. How much of it is God-breathed? All Scripture. All of it is. It's all breathed out by God. There's not a single word. There's not a single jot. There's not a single tittle. These smallest Hebrew markings that, that will fall away that are not of the Lord. The apostles even saw their writings as Scripture. Have you ever heard that? Well, the New Testament, those were just writings. How do we know those are Scriptures? Actually, in the New Testament, the apostles, as they're writing, they saw their words as Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.13, write that down. It says, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. Here's what Paul says, but taught by the Spirit. His own writings he saw as teachings from the Spirit. Also write down 2 Peter 3.16. This is a massive text. You just need to know this one. You need to have it memorized. Peter is writing about Paul's letters. And Peter is saying this about our brother Paul's letters. He says, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other Scriptures. The things that Paul were writing, Peter calls scriptures. These are holy scriptures, and we need to be amazed by that. God has given us his mind in a book. That ought to drive you to know the mind of God and to dive into this book, to know your God. Be amazed by that. Write down Psalm 19, verse 10. It says this, that these words of God, they are more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. You and I are to feel that way about the Word of God because it is treasure. It is the very voice of God in a book. Number five, we're almost done. We ought to continue in the Bible. Why? Because it sanctifies. It's God-breathed, shows us Jesus, reveals salvation, the character of our teachers. Why? Because it sanctifies. Uh, the, the Word of God wasn't given just for information. It was given for your transformation. Let me say it again. The Word of God wasn't just given for information. It was given that you might be transformed it's for your transformation. You and I are to be grown through the pages of Scripture. Scripture. 
verse 16, notice what it says. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. This word here is the same word used in 1 Timothy where Paul says that bodily exercise is, well, it's, it's a little profitable. It, it, it's helpful. Same word. It's profitable. It's, it's a value. It's of great value. That's the Spurgeon thought. Not information, transformation. Now, I used to preach this passage, and I used to think of this passage with these as being four distinct terms here, teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. And really, the more I studied it, actually I see one major term. It's the word teaching. It's the word teaching. And these other three sort of fall under that. Teaching. How? Teaching through reproof. That's refuting error. Teaching through correction. That means the word is to set something up straight that's fallen down. Imagine a giant statue that's fallen down and you set it back up on its pedestal. That's the idea. It's setting someone back up. It's restoring someone. It's helping them find peace. It's becoming a peacemaker through the Word of God. Lastly, it's profitable for training in righteousness. It's the same word for rearing a child. It teaches us how to be God's family, God's children. So you and I ought to be motivated motivated by this fact. You will not grow unless you're in this book. This book will sanctify your soul. It is God's weapon in your life to become all that God wants you to be. There's that great legend of King Arthur. Do you remember what the sword was called? Anybody remember the sword? Yeah, Excalibur. That's exactly right. The sword was Excalibur. It was given by the, uh, the lady at the lake. And when that sword came to him, he looked at it and he saw two inscriptions on it. One on one side, one on the other side. On the one side, it said, take me up. Take me up. You flip it around on the other side of the sword, it said, cast me away. It's a great weapon. It's a great weapon. But you have two choices. You can take me up or you can cast me away. This weapon is only powerful for your life if you choose to take it up and be transformed by it. But in your life, it could be a great weapon. But you've got to make that discipline to take it up and not cast it away. Last point and we're done. Lastly, I hope I'm convincing you. You ought to continue in God's Word. Why? Because it equips us for service. The Word of God is powerful. That the, Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. This word equipped is used for wagons that were going on a long distance journey, and you never know what you might encounter on a long distance journey. You might need some rope to get out of a situation. The wheel might break. You may need an extra wheel. It was used of wagons that were well equipped for whatever journey might be ahead. And and I love this word because I remember when I was having kids, and whenever I was having my first kid, this was 10 years ago, and Caleb, I was holding this brand new bouncing baby boy, and I prayed to the Lord, and I thought, oh, Lord, I am so ill-equipped for this task that is before me. I have no idea what I am doing at all. I just, I don't even know. And I sat with an older couple in the church, and I said, I need all your secrets. Three hours, they just poured out all their secrets, and they just kept coming back here. And they said, Matt, you can do it, but not because you're smart, not because you have the faculties required to get through this situation. You can do it because this book will equip you for that job. So I want to say to you parents, the only way that you will ever, and I mean this, you will ever 
be able to get through the problems of life and the difficulties of life as if you're daily being equipped by this book. I hope that motivates you. I hope that woos your heart. I hope you do it out of a love for God. The mind of God revealed in a book. Now, we're done. The sermon is over. But, you know how I usually end every, every sermon with like this list of applications? And I just say, do this, and do this, and do this, and this, and this. I, I just feel this temptation in me to do that today. I, like, I feel it. I feel this tug in my heart. All right, give them a list. Give them some things to do. Number one, number two, number three. And there's this temptation warring in my soul, and I'm not going to do that because th- this is why, I, like, I, I could give you the list, like, go get your scripture journal, go download this app, go put a Bible in your car so you read it for you, all that stuff. I've done that before. Not going to do that today. And this is why. You know what that's like? When I was falling in love with my wife, Ashley, my beloved, like I didn't go to anybody and I didn't have the conversation like, hey, there's this girl and can I have five steps to make her my wife? You know what I mean? Like, can I get five steps and just sort of click into these five things? Step one, step two, step three. There was none of that in my life. You know what it was like? Here's what it was like. 17 years ago, I looked across the campus of my university and I saw the most beautiful woman I had ever beholden with my eyes. There she was. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Who, who is she? What's her name? And she had this, this short blonde hair. And oh my goodness, I just, I got to know her. I got to find out who she is. And, and I was sort of drawn to her. And I started doing crazy stuff. Like I didn't go to anybody and I didn't say, hey, give me five steps to get to know this girl. That didn't happen. I just started doing stuff. Crazy stuff. I was stupid stuff. There I was looking stupid. Leather jacket, necklace, all the stuff, you know. And I'm looking at Ashley, and I'm just saying, I've got to position myself. I've got to get into a position to get to know her. I've got to find out who she is. What's her name? And then I just sort of started walking near her, and then I would do crazy stuff. And I would just like show up to class like 10 minutes early and just kind of like time it so that whenever she's walking to class, I, oh, what do you know? I'm walking to class about the same time. Can I walk you to class, right? And I know that sounds a little crazy. I'm not stalking her, maybe a little bit, but, but you did too, all right? You did that too with your spouse, and it's beautiful, and there's this, there's this naturally beautiful pursuit, and the, the power of that desire to be in relationship sort of propels us into this intimate relationship, and I positioned myself, and we were in the same class, and, and then next thing you know, I'm, what do you know? We're sitting next to each other, and, and what do you know? I'm walking you out from class, and I positioned myself to get to know her. I have this temptation right now as a pastor. Let me give you step one and step two and step three, like a combination lock, you know? Five minutes in the Bible in the morning. Seven minutes in the Bible on your lunch break. Ten minutes in the Bible before you go to bed. It's not what I want to do. I think I just want to ask the question, are you in love with Him? Are you in love with God? I didn't have to have anybody tell me how to be in a relationship with God. I just felt it. And I pursued it. And I knew 
that God, God wanted a relationship with me. So I could give you 40 applications. There's plenty of them out there. But I think I just want to ask the question, are you in love with God? Because if you are, like a marriage relationship, you will pursue Him. And you'll find Him right here. And you'll do whatever it takes to get to know Him. You will position yourself to know this glorious Creator. We trust that today's message has been a challenge and an encouragement to you. Jesus tells us that truth always demands a response. So he calls us to be doers of his word, not hearers only. So this is your moment of truth. How is God calling you to respond? If you would like to watch or listen to this message, please visit online at centralchurch.com. We'd also like to meet you in person. Worship with us at 9 or 11 a.m. every Sunday at Central Church. If you're unable to attend in person, we also have services streaming live where you can engage and chat with other believers throughout the service. Visit centralchurch.com live to find out more. If you would like to donate to support this program and God's word being sent out, please mail a gift or you can call us at 866-TRUTH-TN and someone will be standing by to receive your credit card donation. We are located at 2005 Winchester Boulevard in Collierville, Tennessee. We can't wait to explore God's truths with you next week. Hi friends, Pastor Matt here. I just want to invite you to Central Church here in Collierville. At Central Church, the Bible is central and the gospel is the foundation of every sermon we preach, every decision that we make. You know, every year I see more and more churches and more and more people moving away from the Bible, but here we're elevating the Word of God. That's why we study it verse by verse, and we hope that you'd come and hear the voice of God in the Word of God because that's the ultimate source of truth. You can worship with us at 9 o'clock or 11 a.m. every Sunday, online or in person. If you'd like to join us online, you can join us at centralchurch.com. Or if you have questions about Central, please email us at info at We can't wait to meet you. And if you join us in the chat, be sure and say hi. We look forward to getting to know you.
Moment of Truth is sponsored by Central Church.